Why is it, do you think, that, that black Muslims preach the separation of the races rather than integration of the races, as, as indeed many uh, American blacks do? After Cassius Clay scandalized America by announcing he was a Muslim and declared his new name, Muhammad Ali, journalists had many questions for him. Throughout the mid-60s to the mid-70s, they asked him repeatedly how his membership in the Nation of Islam informed his positions on race relations. There was Bud Collins in Boston. But then the day after he became champion, he turned off a lot of the country by revealing that he was a convert to a religious sect known popularly as the Black Muslims and formerly as the Nation of Islam. And that antagonized a lot of the American people. Kahul O'Shannon asked him whether he stood by the group's more controversial positions. Elijah Muhammad has said something which perhaps a lot of us white people have misunderstood. Perhaps you can explain it to me. He said that white men are devils. Yes. Well, what does he mean by that? He means just In the BBC's Michael Parkinson. Now, isn't there a contrast there? You belong to a faith which teaches separatism, which we talked mm. before, before about when you came on my program. Yet here, you see, and I know it's true, I've, I've seen it, you have white friends. Parkinson made that last statement while interviewing Ali in December 1974. And Ali's response came in hot. Elijah Muhammad, the one who preached at the white man of America, number one is the devil. He's been preaching. He's never mentioned England. England people have never lynched us, raped us, castrated us, tarred and feathered us, burned us up, pulled our sockets apart, stick knives and pregnant women's stomach, enslave us, rob us of our name, our knowledge, our cause. Elijah Muhammad's been preaching that the white man of America, God told him, is the blue-eyed, blonde-headed devil. Over 10 years into his Nation of Islam membership, Ali was tired of being asked the same questions. That's, you get me on your oh, show and not, ask me all kind of chicken. You read it for me. Was this a performance for TV? Ali was always surrounded by people from diverse backgrounds. And even his daughter, Maymay Ali, grew up believing her dad's white devil rhetoric wasn't meant to be taken literally. He knew the indoctrination, you know, of white men being the devil. There was a reason for it. We needed to understand being black was from God and being black was how we were created and it was okay and it wasn't inferior to any other race or other human. So what did Ali really believe? And what circumstances led him to embrace the idea that not only was the white man the devil, but that God was black? From PRX, AAM, and the Muhammad Ali Center, I'm Preacher Moss, and this is The Universal Title, a podcast on Muhammad Ali and his spiritual journey. From his Baptist roots in Louisville to becoming the best-known Muslim on the world stage, this is the story of how Muhammad Ali won the Universal Title. This clip was from a performance of a popular theatrical piece called The Trial, co-authored by members of the Nation of Islam, including a young Louis X, later Louis Farrakhan. In it, an all-black jury charges the white man with crimes against humanity. So therefore, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, 
I have to. Getting back a verdict of guilty as charged. The trial is a morality play meant to reset the audience's ideas of good and evil through allegory. But it also reflects many of the controversial ideas made popular by the Nation of Islam. His Imam Nasser Ahmed, who knew Ali? I personally first met him in 1977. Like Ali, Imam Nasser grew up Christian and converted to the Nation of Islam. He now practices Orthodox Islam and leads as the Imam of Masjid al-Ansar in Florida. Here's how he describes some of the nation's core beliefs. We believed that the original man was the Asiatic black man. And that was given as a response to the image of God in Caucasian flesh. We were given the image of God as the son of God, as Jesus, as a white man. And so naturally, if in your subconscious mind, the logic is going to go, if the son is white, then God has to be white, you know. And the nation inverted that. And so we were taught that the black man was God and that Allah himself was a black man. Ali grew up seeing his father paint images of a white Jesus all around town. But in his nation years, he believed white skin was evil due to the violence he saw and experienced. Somebody told a lie one day. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a devout Christian, disagreed with Ali and the nation on many things, but they shared a frustration on how the word black and white were deployed in American society. They couched it in language. They made everything black, ugly, and evil. Look in your dictionary and see the synonyms of the word black. It's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white. It's always something pure, high, and clean. The Nation of Islam took their rejection of the language one step further and taught innate black superiority. The origin story of the group is complex, but in short, the Nation of Islam, as Ali experienced it, in the 60s to mid-70s taught that God was black and white people were devils or a physically grafted race created by an evil genius scientist named Yaqub. Zahir Ali, an oral historian, says the nation's teaching about Yaqub served an important purpose. Yaqub's history functioned in many ways for the people who believed it. It was how you explain the existence of evil in an unjust world. When you look at the history of what all Black people had experienced in the United States, you know, this would beg the question, where is the all-just, all-powerful God? Ali said he couldn't find justice in the Christian church. The preacher in the church taught us that the devil was up under the ground. Right. And he'll wait till he die before he burn us up. This white devil in America was worse because he burned us while we was alive. He didn't wait till we die. In a 1964 interview published days after Ali publicly came out as Muslim, Ali told Life magazine he'd gone to core, 
the Urban League, and the NAACP meetings, and he studied with Catholics, Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, Baptists, and Methodists searching for knowledge. But he said, quote, the most concrete thing I found in churches was segregation. Ali's daughter, Hannah Ali, notes the impact it had on her father. But of course, coming up in a time when my father was, I mean, there's no way you can not be conscious of race at that age. You, the world around you shows you that you're different, that you're less than. You can't come in here and have water. Or you're, you know, little boys your age are being mutilated and their eyes are being popped out, their tongues cut off like Emmett Till because he whistled at a white woman. After Ali won the heavyweight champion of the world title in Miami, he drove to New York. But during that long journey, he had a problem. There was a bunch of colored boys and girls on the stools and the counters, and the management uh, asked that they leave, and they didn't leave, so I instructed the men to put them, place them under arrest. The restaurants en route were for whites only. And it was dangerous to make a stop in many of those sundown towns. So the champ of the world spent that long drive eating bologna sandwiches all the way. Ali often spoke of the violence and oppression he saw every day. The Nation of Islam's solution for that was embracing black separatism. But when we say separate, we mean mainly mentally. As far as do for yourself, help self. Clean your own neighbors and make them better, a better place to live. Good force yourself in the white neighbors because they're cleaner. That's Ali speaking with Kahul O'Shannon in 1972. We've tried integrating for 400 years, and we've been kicked and shot and brutalized. You read about the news for years, and it's not working. So we believe that we should now come and try to do for ourselves. Ali was also troubled by the way segregation had been grafted onto the heavens. Dr. Edward Bloom, a historian who studies race and theology in the 20th century, put it this way. Muhammad Ali was part of a whole sea of young African-Americans looking at these images and saying, wait, there's something profoundly wrong here. And that this association of whiteness through this white Jesus or through white angels with authority and with power is, is really troubling. And uh, that will lead so many African-Americans to challenging the kind of whole system of the kind of white authority structure. There's actually a Good Times episode from the 1970s where the lead character, or one of the lead characters, JJ, um, paints a black Jesus. The Black Jesus episode of Good Times came out in 1974, the very same year of Ali's interview in London. And the script has the nation's premier publication, Muhammad Speaks, all over it. I read about it in Muhammad Speaks. In this episode, J.J., the eldest son in the family, and the artist paints a black Jesus. The youngest son, Michael, wants to hang black Jesus up on the wall next to a painting his mother had hung since her own childhood a portrait of white Jesus, but his mother refuses. Mama, it's just a symbol of Jesus. 
Well, hello, symbol, and goodbye. The only Jesus I know is him. When I was a baby, I don't know what I saw first. My mama, my papa, or this Jesus. Now, he's the one I know and love, so let's close the subject. Michael responds. Mama, how do we know Jesus wasn't black? He could have been from the lost tribe of Israel. They were supposed to be black. I bet they were. If ever people were lost, we're it. <laughs> what Muhammad Ali recognized was that there is intellectual knowledge and then there is emotional knowledge. He talked about images of white Jesus and white Marys and white angels and how he disliked them, how he questioned them. His first questioning of the kind of white power structure, white authority, came from his spiritual questioning. And I think that really speaks to how Muhammad Ali saw racial problems at depth as spiritual problems because that was the kind of basis of all life. Ali's earliest memories involved going to church with his mother and brother every Sunday. Christian spirituality was the key to the Clay family and Ali's faith journey. But the images that he saw hurt and confused him. In another interview with Parkinson in 1971, Ali recalled a conversation with his mother. So I said, Mother, when we die, do we go to heaven? She said, naturally, we go to heaven. I said, well, what happened to all the black angels when they took the pictures? <laughs> I, said, I said, oh, I know. If the white folks was in heaven too, and the black angels were in the kitchen preparing the milk and honey. And according to Nasser Ahmed, the Nation of Islam had a remedy for that too. We believed at that time there was no life after death. In other words, unlike in Orthodox Christianity and Islam, there was only one life. So we believed that heaven and hell was on this earth only. And we believed that there were forces that were designed to oppress all of the black people of the world. If black people were to get their reward, the nation thought, it would not be in a second life in heaven. They had to strive hard for it in this world and resist making their only life one of suffering. So my friends, take it for what it is worth. Your heaven and your hell is right here on this earth. Ali told Alex Haley in 1964 that he grew up hating being black because he saw God as white. Now, the United States in particular is a, a very Christian nation. And if you Google God, you'll see that the majority of images that depict God show a, a white male. Dr. Stephen Roberts is an assistant professor of psychology at Stanford. His research focuses on group-based boundaries and hierarchies among both children and adults. I think what Ali beautifully did, which is something that social psychologists or psychologists aren't as great at, is he took a pretty complicated, intense, historically motivated phenomenon and really boiled it down to its, its purest, simplest form of kind of just saying, you know, what it is, that we have these images that glorify white people, even um, in our religious sphere. Robert's work has shown the white racialization of the divine affected the minds of millions of young black children. Even though Ali was criticizing this subject in the 60s and the 70s, 
Robert's study was published in 2020. And we wanted to see, well, one, do people actually visualize or think that God is in fact a white male? And if so, what consequences does that have for how we perceive people in the, in the real world? The effect of these images on young black children continued even to Ali's own grandchildren. For all of Ali's talk about building self-esteem, one of his granddaughters could not escape the same conclusion Ali had come to as a little boy. And she said, Mom, you know, I wish my skin was this color. And she pointed to the light side of her Whoa. hand, the underside of her hand. During a 2018 Breakfast Club interview, Ali's daughter, Layla, an undefeated boxing champion herself, tells the story of her then six-year-old daughter not liking the color of her own skin. I was like, well, why? You know, and she's like, well, because I feel like, you know, Jesus' skin was that color. It starts so young. Ali's position on white folks evolved over the years. But Maymay says his position at home was a little different from the one he spread as a minister for the Nation of Islam. My parents and my grandparents really didn't teach us that. You know, we, we knew that was something the nation said. But in our home, it's like they had a, they had a true understanding that all, all people are people of God. In his personal life, Ali entrusted himself to a diverse group of people. He wrote about his Italian trainer, Angelo Dundee, his Black Jewish assistant trainer, Bandini Brown, and many others. He said he loved them all and considered them family. Well, a dear, dear man to me who's like a godfather to me, Gene Kilroy, he's still living. He's one of the, the last people that, were, that worked with my father living. He was a Caucasian man and white, and, you know, he worked for my dad. And he never called him the devil. Imam Nasser of the Masjid in Miami says the same. And he had friends of all stripes, of all colors, all nationalities, you know, and uh, he would assist them in any way that he possibly could. And I witnessed this with my eyes. In 1975, Elijah Muhammad, the leader of the Nation of Islam, passed away. His son, Wallace Muhammad, later known as Imam Warfi Muhammad, took over and transitioned the community to mainstream Islam, an important shift in theology as well as the community's approach to race relations. Ali transitioned with him. His Imam Mansour Sabri, a student of Imam Warfdin Muhammad. I can recall many of our pioneers talking about the moment of decision for them to literally change their beliefs from what they were taught during the Nation of Islam and following the teachings and the leadership of Imam Warfi Muhammad and they talk about it as feeling relieved of a burden. The clear teachings that come through Imam Warthadi Muhammad is that no man is God. We are all servants of God. Uh, second is the idea of what the devil is. The Nation of Islam described the devil as the white man. And in the teachings of Al-Islam, the devil is, is defined as a scheme and as, as an influence on the earth, in the community, etc. And the teachings of al-Islam through Imam Warthadi Muhammad clarifies that point. Imam Muhammad had moved the community closer to the Quran. This isn't a black and white thing. This is a human excellence thing. This is about uh, achieving the highest level of what God has created 
not what man has created. The embrace of more traditional Islam encouraged Ali and other followers of Imam Warfi Muhammad to launch a public campaign to eliminate the notion that God could have a color, white or black. In 1980, the community launched the Committee to Remove All Images That Attempt to Portray the Divine, or CRAID. While it was rooted in Muslim beliefs, it wasn't a Muslim-only effort. They encouraged other religious communities to join them, and they took their campaign to the streets and cities across America. The community no longer taught the origin story of black and white people. Instead, the community focused their energies on challenging the image of a white god directly. Ali had been among the first to embrace the new leader. So I'm the Wallace D. Muhammad is on time. Ali told this to interviewer Fred Graham on Face the Nation not long after. He's teaching us it's not the color of the physical body that makes a man a devil. In the community's newspaper that would become the Muslim journal, formerly Muhammad Speaks, Imam Warf D. Muhammad would eventually also place a permanent message of concern on the inside opening page. It made clear his community's transition to traditional Islamic beliefs about religious imagery of any kind representing divinity. Imam Nasser Ahmed again. Whereas in what you would call the pure teachings of Islam, God has no image that we can see with our eyes. He's creator, no gender, no color, no beginning, no ending. Imam W.D. Muhammad saw the message as so critical to the community's understanding that he later collaborated with a Muslim singer who he felt represented the spirit of the new community direction. In 2007, Suad el together with the imam, produced the song, A Message of Concern. It shared its title and meaning with the message printed in the community's paper of record. What would happen if people would sit in churches throughout the world for centuries with the image of an African-American man as savior of the world before them? What would this do to the mind of the world's children? What would this do to their mind? What would this do? What would this do to the mind of the world's children? It's a message, a message, message of concern. Ali's life journey led him to wonder if God was a white male with blonde hair and blue eyes and to then profess vehemently on television that the white man was the devil, replacing white superiority with black superiority. And to his final belief, God don't look at our colors. Minds, hearts have no color. God look at our minds and our actions and our deeds. He spoke of the diversity of Islam in the world in an interview with Face the Nation. So we have white Muslims, brown Muslims, red Muslims, yellow Muslims, all colors. He spoke of how the community, under the direction of his new teacher, now opened its doors to people of all races. So the big thing in the change now, we have white people who have accepted our faith, and we now recognize all men as brothers, and we look at them according to their works. Ali made clear what his little girl May May had always known. So some blacks can do evil and white, so it's not the color. Now we look at the action. 
The Universal Title is a production of America Abroad Media in partnership with PRX and the Muhammad Ali Center. The series was written by Precious Rashida Muhammad, along with Ahmed Ali Akbar, Maggie Van Dorn, and Aaron Lobel. Our editor is Ahmed Ali Akbar, Maggie Van Dorn is the producer, and Rosalind Torresias is the associate producer. Engineering from Douglas Robertson, post-production sound and mix by PRX Productions, and Sandra Lopez Monsave. Cover art by Felicia Ann. The executive producers are Aaron Lobel, Farah Pandit, and Precious Rashida Muhammad. Support for this program has been provided by the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, the Henry Luce Foundation, the El Hibri Foundation, and the Embassy of the United Arab Emirates. For more information about the podcast, visit theuniversaltitle.com. I'm your host, Preacher Moss. Thank you for listening. On the next episode of The Universal Title. You want me to tell you what happened next? Well, I don't know where to begin. I find nothing amusing or interesting or tolerable about this man. He's a disgrace to his country, his race, and what he laughingly describes as his profession. Well, whatever the persecution is for standing up for my religious beliefs, even if it means facing machine gun fire that day, I will face it before denouncing Elijah Muhammad and the religion of Islam. I'm ready to die. For more information on the podcast, visit theuniversaltitle.com.